0: when we devise plans that are contrary to God's plans and when we begin to blame the Lord instead of seeking His will, our plans will not be a solution. They will only give birth to further problems and further sin. The Lord Himself came for the world that felt so lost and in despair, the world full of crumbling families, the world full of guilt of neglect and abuse. God Himself came to restore us back to his family, and to restore the families of his people. The following is from Rock of Ages, Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Reaching out with rock-solid hope in Rim Country, January 5th, 2020, Genesis chapter 16. There are very few who can escape the pressures, entirely escape the pressures, a crumbling family for those who have felt and experienced abuse or neglect in the home they can know how painful that experience can be for those who suffer neglect and abuse are not alone we find in genesis 16 this morning a family that was crumbling And someone connected to that family was a woman who was feeling abandoned, mistreated, abused. Her life was crumbling and she was sinking into despair. But we see that even as she was facing this, her God was there with his plan and with his care. You know, if anybody had been the example and would have been the example of the epitome of a faithful, long-standing, monogamous marriage in Scripture, you'd think it would have been Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai had faced pressures. They had left their homeland, and yet they stuck together. And even though they lived in a land that didn't so much value a monogamous, one-husband-one-wife relationship, Abram and Sarah stayed together, even into old age. And there they were. The shining example for all of their caravan, for all their servants, for Abram's nephew Lot, husband and wife at the age of 85 and 75. Probably the biggest challenge that their marriage faced, which would put pressure on any family, was their inability to have children. Sarah herself was, I'm sure after many sleepless nights of tears and years of denial, was pretty much aware of her situation as she said, the Lord has kept me from having children. Abraham, too, had long resigned to that fact. And still, even though they faced this challenge, there they were. They still had each other, Abram and Sarah, husband and wife. Till now. Sarah came up with uh, an idea that to us seems rather absurd. He says, the Lord has kept me from having children. So, Abram, why don't you sleep with my maidservant and I can have a child through her? You and I might look at that and think, what is she joking? But Abraham takes her in all seriousness and agrees to go forward with the plan. Now, before you are too quick to jump on them, understand that this is a time when they actually didn't have other options for family planning. They didn't have adoption agencies. They didn't have fertility clinics. This was one of the options before them. In fact, we even see in the, the cultures at this time that surround Abram and Sarah, it was stated and inscribed that if a woman of high standing was unable to have children, she could bear those children through her maidservant and they would legally be her child. Before you're, you're quick to say, well, that's That's so backward, that ancient culture. Once again, understand that Abram and Sarah weren't doing anything too different from what we do today. Although it's not common, we still have surrogate mothers today. Abram and Sarah simply lacked the technological advances that we have to literally have someone's child in someone else's womb. And. Really, would Abram and Sarah look at our society and think that we're doing anything that's any better when you consider the more common practice of in vitro fertilization? How foreign it would be to them to say that someone would take the mother's egg and the father's sperm and outside the womb put them together in a laboratory and then cull off the excess life that begins, implant those fertilized eggs back into the mother, and then cull off the extra life, save for one or two. Essentially, planned murder. They call it abortion, but this is something that turns aside from God's gift of life. And yes, you might say, well, how could Sarah and Abram ever think to do this? Well, it's the same reason that people do what they do today with in vitro fertilization and other things. It's it's family planning. You might say, well, what's wrong with a little family planning? Nothing. So long as it doesn't turn aside from God's gift of marriage or dishonor the gift of life, which in vitro fertilization, the morning after pill, and many other things like abortion certainly do, and they're wrong. And so is what Sarah did and what she planned wrong. It didn't matter if all the culture around her saw it as acceptable and okay, it was still wrong. And what we see Sarah and Abram planning and carrying out is at best, at best, forced adoption. At worst, rape. But maybe Sarah and Abram could say, not only is this acceptable in our time and culture as a practice, but God will understand we we face difficult circumstances, right? He'll know. In fact, we see Sarah bringing up the name of the Lord Notice, though, when she brings up the Lord into her line of thinking. The Lord has kept me from having children. She doesn't bring up the Lord to call on his name in prayer or to seek his will. She brings up the Lord to blame him for her circumstance, to justify what she's doing. The Lord has kept me from having children. So I have a right, don't I? Don't I now have the ability to take my plans and my actions? Watch out for sinking into the thinking. That because God has put us in a certain situation that we are then therefore allowed to dabble around with sin and devise our own plans and will contrary to his. This can happen, right? Where maybe a wife or a husband might say, well, God hasn't given me the the family that I want, the spouse that I want, the children are out of line. This isn't what I was hoping for. So don't I have a right to... Turn aside from and neglect my spouse? Don't I have a right to also neglect my children or maybe abuse my family? Don't I have a right to have an affair? Don't I have a right to abortion? Don't I have a right to my own plans because God has kept me from having what I want? This trap, this mindset of thinking we see, this foolish, sinful plan of Sarah, also taken up by Abram, is not a solution. Remember, when, when we devise plans that are contrary to God's plans, and when we begin to blame the Lord instead of seeking his will, our plans will not be a solution. They will only give birth to further problems and further sin. Well, Sarah got what she wanted, at least what she thought she wanted. Her plan seemed to work. Hagar was pregnant. Only her family then began to crumble before her. It says, Hagar despised Sarah when she discovered she was pregnant. In our modern sense of thinking, we might think she's upset that she's pregnant, but more likely it seems, it says more literally in the Hebrew, Hagar saw Sarah as small, trivial in her eyes. In other words, Hagar is now Flaunting her new found position as bearing Abraham's son or child. And she is taunting Sarah with every chance she gets. And you can imagine Abram now is probably treating Sarah a little bit better, probably not giving Hagar those menial tasks or allowing her to do those things beneath a mother of his child. And maybe, just maybe, Abram is starting to value Hagar, his new wife, just a little bit more than he values Sarah, his other wife. So family begins to crumble, and Sarah resents it. She then brings it before Abram, and notice once again, Sarah is able to bring up the Lord's name, but only able to bring up the Lord's name for her own devices. Now the Lord's name is a poison dart and a petty judge to throw at Abraham. Look what's happened, Abram. The Lord judge between you and me. And Abram, instead of caring for his wife, instead of protecting his new wife, simply neglects them both and says, I'm not getting involved in your womanly quarrels. You handle it. And then we see Sarah turning against Hagar and mistreating her. And you can imagine how that felt. When you're supposed to get along with somebody and they mistreat you, probably one of the hardest things you can face, especially if that person has some position over you. Sarah maybe wasn't physically abusing her, but she was certainly probably putting her to the menial task, letting her know her position, and making her feel worthless in the way she spoke to her and the way she spoke about her. Now we see sin giving birth to more sin. Sarah's plan had led to more sin as Hagar and Sarah were at odds, as Abraham and Sarah were at odds and no longer in a good relationship, and the whole family was crumbling. Sin, we see, only gives birth to sin. Sin is never a solution. Finally, maybe you and I can identify with the way that Sarah Hagar or Abram lived. After all, isn't it sometimes that when things don't go our way or when someone tries to make us angry, don't we try to get back at them? Just as maybe Hagar found she could now taunt Sarah, doesn't that sometimes enter our hearts that we can show who we are over somebody else in the family? Or that when the chance comes for revenge, you can put someone down. Or maybe you identify with Abram and you see how the times that you were guilty of neglect and didn't step in when you should, the family crumbles. There's no family that's beyond facing the pressures of crumbling and the pressures of sin and plans devised which are against the Lord's. How God ought to deal with such families, those that turn aside from his plan to loveless plans of sin, Ought God not to just let people like Abram and Sarah and all of us, when our families crumble, ought he not to let us face our own devices, the pits that we've dug for ourselves? And shouldn't we realize that when we follow these sinful plans, when our family begins to crumble, it's not just our relationship with one another that's crumbling, but it's also the one between us and our God. And ought God not to leave us to our devices and say, you, have destroyed the family you have broken this relationship and leave us with neglect and despair Hagar had enough sure she perhaps was guilty of taunting sarah but now she was the taunted and mistreated so we find her fleeing back to egypt she was an egyptian maidservant perhaps wondering if maybe she could make a life as a, a single pregnant mother Back in Egypt, now she was alone, desperate, forsaken, and abused. She was on the brink of despair as she was just about to enter into the land of Egypt. But it's there that the Lord speaks to her. And the Lord reveals to her his plan. Though she had witnessed God's people using the Lord's name in other ways and following their own plans and devices, the Lord himself would make known to her his plan for her. And it's to her that the angel of the Lord comes and speaks and says, Where are you going? He knows. This angel of the Lord that appeared to her. Sometimes that phrase refers to a a priest, or sometimes it refers to a prophet or a messenger, a literal angel but also it can refer to the Lord himself appearing to his people. The angel of the Lord is the same one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush and who would later speak to Joshua and others, the Lord himself. He speaks as one who, yes, is differentiated from God the Father, but also speaks as one who is equal to the Father. This is the Son of God, the word appearing in visible form to his people. You know what? It's here. Here for the first time in all of Scripture, not not to Abram, but to the Egyptian maidservant, the forsaken, abused, mistreated Hagar. That's the one that the angel of the Lord first appears to in all the recordings of Scripture. And it's to her that he reveals words of comfort, protection, and care. All this while where she had faced all the crumbling in the family, she might have thought, God doesn't see, God doesn't care. But now she knows. All the time she was at fault, all the time she was mistreated, all of her despair and her longing, God had seen it all. Now he speaks to her as he appears. Hagar, here's God's plan. Go back to Sarah. Return to the family. We're going to restore this home And don't worry, Hagar, you'll be blessed. And Hagar was amazed at the way that the Lord himself appeared to speak to her at that place. God, when the time had fully come, appeared, just when needed to the despised, neglected, and forlorn. Jesus The Son of God appeared, not just in that form, but also took on human flesh to appear to his people. And when he appeared in the flesh, the Lord himself came for the world that felt so lost and in despair, the world full of crumbling families, the world full of guilt of neglect and abuse. And God himself came to restore us back into his family and to restore the families of his people. There's Jesus, the Son of God, willingly allowing himself to take on all the neglect, all the abuse, being forsaken in the place of everyone else. Jesus gave up himself for his family and faced a greater despair and abuse and neglect than anyone could imagine as he said, I'll take your sin and the price of your sin, which he did not deserve, but he willingly took it for his people. And can you picture the disciples as Jesus, alive again, with a body that is glorious, appears to them and says, You are part of the family of God, adopted, sins forgiven. Your sin, your abuse, your neglect, it won't fall on your own head because I took it on myself for you, and it landed on my head. The living Son tells us that we are free and belong to the family of God. The unseen God has made himself known. And he comes to you still today in his word. In that word, he comes to those who feel forsaken and alone in despair or distress. And he comes and he reminds them that they have a family unlike any other. Unlike any other. And they have forgiveness and a place. And he comes to them and he assures them and he assures you I will never leave you. I am always with you. Though he is unseen, as Hagar said, we know, like her, the unseen God does see and he does care. And like Hagar, we, we too will know that wherever we go, whatever strife we will face, whatever hardships in life, he is with us. And he's with us with his promises and a good plan a good plan for his family and with his care. The unseen God cares for you. We are taken from abused and neglected to loved and protected. Amen.